0: have a confession. I love me some Elliot Stabler. You know, the character that Christopher Maloney plays in Law & Order SUV. I also love Godzilla, but... I also love Mandy Patinkin when he plays Saul Berenson in Homeland, and this is what our episode is about today. Not about Elliot Stabler and Godzilla and Mandy Patinkin themselves, though we could absolutely 100% do an episode dedicated entirely to the greatness that is Mandy Patinkin, but why it is that I love them. What it is beyond love that makes me crave them and how understanding this in me can help you in your process of soul archaeology and how all of this can help you unlock a more empowered life on your own terms. Let's do it. Welcome to Powered by Self-Love, the podcast where we take a topic related to self-love and what it takes to live a self-loving life and we break it down into a digestible nugget in 30 minutes or less. My name is Sarah and I'm the author of Soul Archeology, span a totally doable strategy to creating a self-loving and liberated life. And I run live events and retreats for plus-size women old enough to remember life before the internet. So I will start with a question today. Have you ever found yourself watching the same TV shows and movies again and again? And I don't just mean, wow, I really like watching reruns of Friends. But have you ever found yourself compelled to watch certain things when you're feeling specific emotions? For example, when you're anxious or stressed, do you reach for the remote and fire up the Great British Baking Show because nothing else makes sense to you? Or when the shit hits the fan, do you throw on Designing Women? Or when you're sad, will you only watch Gilmore Girls? A few years ago, I started to notice that there were specific TV shows I really liked to watch. It wasn't actually that I watched them, so to speak, more so that I wanted to have them on in the background of my life, constantly playing in a distant hum. When I went through a big breakup in 2019, I watched a lot of that show Bones, but that was also something my ex watched, so in some ways I was probably watching it to hold on to him. But when COVID came around, I watched the entire series of The Good Wife multiple times. By the time I got my book deal, I had moved on to Law and Order Special Victims Unit. No idea why, but it worked for me. And while I took great pleasure in analyzing Olivia Benson's hairstyle of the season, what I really loved, forgive me, was Elliot Stabler's ass. Okay, not just his ass, but Elliot Stabler in general. Everything about him, everything about the not-so-quiet, daddy-dominant thing he had going on really worked for me. So I watched season one through 12 again and again. It wasn't that I had a crush on him, though I'm sure Christopher Maloney is a lovely and talented human being, and I would absolutely go on to enjoy him in Oz and maids Tale. It was just specifically about Elliot Stabler, something about him. The way they wrote his character, the way he portrayed it, that really worked for me. Since that birth of awareness, I have learned something about myself. I have started to see patterns between what I am feeling and when and what it is I want to watch on TV during those times. In doing this, I have come up with a Sarah freaking the fuck out DEF CON scale. You see, there is a correlation between the level of discomfort I am feeling in my life, how high or low I am on the scale, and what TV shows and movies I feel compelled to watch. So my freaking the fuck out Def Constale goes something like this. DEFCON Level 3. At this stage, I am feeling some mild discomfort in life, but on the whole, my shit's pretty normal. My day-to-day functions are solid, and I will still engage in my regular routine. It is not hard for me to be self-loving in this phase, but I'm stressed or unhappy or unanxious about something that hangs over my head. During this stage is when I want to watch Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Give me all the Elliot Stabler. Like, I will skip everything from season 13 on, and then I'll go to that new SVU spinoff when Stabler comes back so I can just bathe myself in the tension between him and Benson. Now we have DEF CON level two. At this stage, my daily routine feels a little more challenging to get through. I may start to utilize some coping mechanisms in my life. For example, I'm more likely to impulsively eat during this stage. This is when I have to make a conscious effort to adjust my self love to do list, to downsize it, and really focus on my self care and my emotional and physical health. This is the time that I watch. Godzilla, especially the last few Godzilla movies. I skipped the one from 1998 with Matthew Broderick because, let's be honest, it doesn't really have a single redeeming quality to it. But this is also when I want to watch any and all end of the world natural disaster movies. This is when I want to watch the core with Aaron Eckert as he jolts the earth core into spinning again, and the movie Greenland with Gerard Butler, The Wave, Earthquake, Geostorm, 2012, whatever it is, I'm in it. If the earth is getting destroyed and people are threatened and someone is trying to save us from impending disaster, it is literally what I'm watching. But side note. This also makes it really interesting when I go to bed at night because, for example, imagine how peaceful it is to sleep with Godzilla playing in the background. Okay, then we get to DEFCON level one. At this stage, shit feels really fucked up. This is the time when my daily routine falls apart and I will consciously lean on coping mechanisms and start to make compromises and adjustments just to get through the day one day at a time. This is when living a self-loving life feels really hard for me. And this is when man candy starts taking over dinner duty and making me grilled chicken. And no matter how Las Vegas scalding sun hot it is, I want to wear smushy sweatshirts all year round. This is the braless, feral stage. You know what I mean? In this stage, I need homeland. That series with Claire Danes as a CIA spy. I need all the Saul Berenson as played by Mandy Patinkin. And I need Peter Quinn. All the Peter Quinn. Like I want Peter Quinn to rub me nonstop all day long. This is when Man Candy and I have the same conversation again and again where we play Kill Mary Fuck with Saul Berenson, Peter Quinn, and Jack Ryan. I don't know why we throw Jack Ryan in there, but what's his name with the arms and the upper body? John Krasinski. He is always a good foil for us. And we always say we would kill Jack Ryan and then debate heartedly between marrying or fucking Saul Berenson or Peter Quinn. It's a toss-up, depending on the day, which of these simmering, ass-kicking, hell-unleashing alpha men we decide to enter into a monogamous relationship with together and which one we just want to bang into eternity this is when the phrase Saul a get- in starts to creep into our relational vernacular by sharing this with you, I'm probably revealing more things than I want to about myself. For example, you may gather from all of this that I am drawn to dominant men and that's an entirely different podcast <laughs> and topic we're probably not going to talk about. but it is also not what I want you to focus on. What I want to focus on is a pattern. That I've illuminated for you. The pattern where I feel a specific hard emotion and reach for a specific solution to help tolerate and weather that specific hard emotion. And this is what we're talking about today. Because seeing this pattern and understanding it is part of my living a self-loving life. And you're doing the same for you. You're seeing your patterns and understanding them is a part of your life. Let me explain. As I said before, I have a specific definition of self love. Self love is any thought or action that connects you to your ultimate you. And your ultimate you is the version of you not defined by age or weight or income, but by two things. First, your ability to be honest with yourself about what you are feeling when you are feeling it. And second, your commitment to serving yourself with self-love based on what you feel and need. When we are using self-love as a principle that guides our life, we are living what I refer to as a self-loving life. When we prioritize self-love over self-abandoning, When we make a choice in the moment to either have our own back over abandoning ourselves, we are living a self-loving life. Now, remember that your ultimate you can be messy and sticky, and it's a version of you that feels complex things. It's not about being perfect, but about being connected to yourself. It is about being self-aware. Self-love is self-aware. It's about understanding why we do the things we do. Our causes, our reactions, our challenges, and our solutions. It's about the process of soul archaeology that we take to uncover who we truly are. Brushing away the layers of dirt brushing away the non-truths we have made true, brushing away our subconscious that we have allowed to shape and control us and the lies that we have told ourselves about who we are and what we are worth. It's about breaking ourselves free and liberating ourselves from our expectations and the expectations of others so we can instead create a life that serves us based on our values. Now, one part of the journey of liberation is to understand what makes us uncomfortable and our response to what makes us uncomfortable, what it is we intrinsically do to alleviate discomfort when we feel it. Because sometimes the things we do to alleviate our discomfort, the ways that we cope are things that are healthful for us, but sometimes they are not. Sometimes they hurt us. Now, understanding and fully seeing our coping patterns, what they are, and the depth to which we use them, when we use them, and how we use them is a huge part of living a self-loving life. It's part of living life proactively, defined by our values and our needs, and not reactively defined by our fear and our perceived limits now i want to talk about coping for a second because we can do an endless amount of podcasts on the idea of coping and i want to be very clear coping is a natural part of life to put it plainly coping is the stuff we do to help us navigate hard shit And our strategies for coping can be things that we have learned consciously or subconsciously. They are behaviors that we do that are designed to reduce the negative emotions we associate with difficult events, situations, relationships. Everybody copes in some way. And some coping can be positive for us. And some can be harmful for us. You've also probably heard the expression coping mechanism before, as well as coping skills. And there's a difference between the two, and it's important. In psychology, it's often said that coping mechanisms are unconscious ways that people have habitually dealt with changes defensively. I'm going to repeat that. Coping mechanisms are the unconscious ways that people habitually deal with challenges in a defensive way, whereas coping skills are seen as intentional, conscious practices that we build over time. Let's just do that again because this is important, okay? Our coping mechanisms are the unconscious ways, the habits that we have of dealing with our challenges defensively. Whereas our coping skills, these are things that we choose. These are conscious practices that we build over time to deal with hard shit. If as we understand our relationship to coping, the things we are doing automatically, our coping mechanisms are not working for us, or they are a form of self-abandonment, or they help us in the immediate moment, but not in the long run, then they aren't self-loving. I'm going to repeat that. If the mechanisms that we use to cope aren't really working for us, or they are an actual form of self-abandonment instead, or they help us in the short term, but not in the long run, they're not self-loving. And this is when we have the opportunity to learn new coping skills that help alleviate our discomfort, but do so in a way that is supportive of us, healthy and aligned. Which brings us back to why I'm sharing all of this with you today, because it's clear for me, and maybe it is for you too now, that watching certain TV shows and movies is a method of coping for me. Clearly, what I have come to see is that when I am struggling with feelings that come from being out of control or feeling overwhelming or the discomfort I experience associated with something, and when that becomes more than I know how to process— and I want to cope, there comes Elliot Stable, Aaron fucking Eckhart, and Saul Berenson to save my day. When my shit starts to hit the fan, the more I look to the movies and TVs I watch to create a sense of calm control. And whether the calm control comes from a police detective solving crimes or a hero next door saving the planet or a spy, I personally crave a masculine and dominant man coming along to save my day. The more out of control my world feels, the more I crave for Elliot Stabler, Gerard Butler, and Saul Berenson to restore my sense of order. Now, you might be thinking that I have some serious daddy issues to work on, and I hear you, but I assure you I have written an entire book about that, and we're good. Like, we're good there. And maybe your next thought is to light a candle and play some Enigma and put on the movie nine and a half weeks. Whatever. What you're really wondering, or what I hope you're really wondering, is why should you care about any of this? And I will tell you. Because Being conscious of why we do what we do is an essential part of living a self-loving life. And in this case, the thing to be conscious of is how I use television and movies as a form of coping. It turns out it's not such a crazy idea. Now, maybe you crave the soft simmering of a TV daddy dominant to save the day like me, or maybe you tune into something else when you feel any form of discomfort or chaos. Regardless of what you watch, there's a reason that you do it, an actual scientific reason. It's called social surrogacy. And a study from the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology called Social Surrogacy, How Favored Television Programs Provide the Experience of Belonging by Derek Gabriel and Hugenberg describes something called the social surrogacy hypothesis that tells us that having a parasocial relationship with our favorite television program can provide us with an experience of belonging. Okay, so before I tell you what the study says, let's just define what parasocial relationships are. According to The Atlantic, the term parasocial interaction was introduced in the 1950s by social scientists Donald Horton and R.W. Wall. It was the early days of home television, and they were seeing people develop an intimate sense of relationship with actors who were appearing virtually in their home. These days, as media has evolved, we can have parasocial relationships with all sorts of people, including those we watch on TV and movies and online. In fact, I know many of you out there probably have some sort of parasocial relationship with me. That's fucking great. There's no problem with that. The social surrogacy hypothesis tells us that parasocial relationships can be a great source of Of comfort to us in life. Now, remember, I shared my DEFCON scale of distress and what specific characters I turn to to have a parasocial relationship, depending on the level of shit I feel. That's what this is talking about. Okay, there are several studies they did as part of the social surrogacy hypothesis, and I'm going to paraphrase two of them for you. One study tells us that people turn to favored television programs when they feel lonely and that they feel less lonely when viewing these programs. Another study shows that thinking about favored television programs buffers against drops in self-esteem and mood and against feelings of rejection. And one more study tells us that just thinking about our favorite television programs reduces the activation of chronically activated rejection-related feelings. So in short, it is scientifically proven that the parasocial relationships we can have with characters in movies and TV can actually be a reliable and helpful way of coping with discomfort. Fuck. Yes. Okay. So weird. Yes. Extra. Yes. Illogical. No, there is a method to my madness. And I fucking love when this shit comes together. I love when the lightning bolt off and suddenly everything makes sense. And not only does it make sense, but that shit is real. I freaking love it. Okay. There is a psychological reason we gravitate towards using TV and movies as a coping strategy. It is wired in our human biology. The desire to feel a sense of comfort and belonging is part of human nature. And when we are unable to find that solace in our lives and actual relationships, it's pretty normal to lean on the imaginary connections we have to characters to fill in the blanks. An article for Time magazine quoted Shira Gabriel as explaining, humans have an innate need to belong to larger groups for our survival. And we are biologically programmed to find solace in stories. This is a primitive drive that happens outside our conscious awareness. And there's this strong, very old evolutionary system in us that pulls us towards wanting comforting narratives. Okay, so here we are. Let's pull this together. I started by telling you all about how I figured out that I have a connection to feelings of distress and watching certain TV as a way to cope. Then we talked about how coping is a part of life, but making sure that we are coping in ways that are aligned and supported is an essential part of living a self-loving life and our soul archaeology. And finally, we talked about the scientific reason that coping by watching certain programs can be beneficial for us. And this is where the fun part comes in. Okay. Now comes the puzzle piece where you get to see what it is that you gravitate towards and how you use media to cope. You also get to figure out after you've done that. What are the feelings that you are specifically craving that make you want to turn to TV and movies? What is the comfort narrative that you are seeking that media can give you? Now, there's no right right answer here and there's no wrong answer. It truly just is about seeing. What feeling is missing for you that you seek? To find it in what you watch. For me, it's clearly the comfort of someone coming to save the day. That whether the challenge is that the earth has fallen off its axis or that a planet killing comet is barreling towards us or a radioactive prehistoric reptilian monster is walking down Las Vegas Boulevard or Abu Nazir and some terrorist group is plotting violence against America, that someone can be there to stop it. And that someone can make me feel the sense of calm I need is a dominant masculine figure that happens to make me feel as if all the shits wrong in the world can be handled. And if they can handle All of that, maybe I can handle whatever it is being thrown at me. I've got it. It's okay. Whether the nerves and sense of overwhelm is about putting my book into the world and having great book sales, or whether it's helping me feel not so numb after the death of my father or whatever mountain I feel like I am standing at the bottom of. If Elliot Stabler can defeat sex traffickers and Gerard Butler can guide his family to safety on a remote continent and Saul Berenson can get Carrie out of a Russian jail she never should have been in in the first place, I can get through it too. And so I will wrap up our chat today by inviting you to think for yourself, what TV shows and movies do you watch on repeat? is there a common emotion you are feeling when tuning into these programs? What kind of feeling is it you are seeking when you watch the movies and TV you do? What very human emotional need of belonging are you looking to feel fulfilled? There is no right answer here, and there is no wrong, because Soul archaeology is not about right and wrong. It is simply about uncovering. And in the uncovering, we learn about ourselves. We learn what it is we need to do to live greater. We learn what self-love means for us. We learn our most vulnerable underbelly, what it is and how to embrace it. And lastly, we learn what strength is undeniably unshakable within ourselves. And that is it for today. Before we go, I have some news to share with you. It's a little random, but my book was a number one in Audible in the self-worth category. So if you're looking to explore your own self-worth, to learn how self-love can help you to live a more liberated life and how you can use soul archaeology, and you don't actually want to read, you want to keep listening to me, you you can actually go on Audible or anywhere that you find audiobooks and listen to my number one self-worth book. Also, you can find Soul Archaeology on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, and on my website. And don't forget to follow my channel here because a new podcast will drop every Wednesday. Thank you so much, guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Don't forget, if you're looking to explore your own self-worth to learn how self-love can help you to live a more liberated life and how to use soul archaeology to dig through the layers of your own shit to uncover who you truly are meant to be, check out my book. You can find Soul Archaeology, a totally doable strategy to creating a self-loving and liberated life on Audible and Amazon and Barnes & Noble and Target and on my website, sarasapora.com. You can also learn about my next retreats and live events and don't forget to follow my channel here a new podcast will drop every Wednesday